Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. So, Happy New Year! Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny how it's just, it's really just 24 hours difference. It's just one turn of the page, and yet there is something about the new year that just kind of gives us that sense of a fresh start. It's a new beginning, and, um, and a lot of people make New Year's resolutions. How many have made a New Year's resolution, at least one, for this year? Okay, very good. The rest of you just said, ah, why bother? Um, I actually did some research to figure out, okay, what are the most common types of New Year's resolutions? And I found the, the top eight uh, most common New Year's resolutions, usually the number one typically is to get fit, and, and that's usually either um, to start dieting, to lose some weight, to exercise or quit smoking or something along those lines. Um, another one is to get organized, um, you know, to get better time management going on, to uh, clean out that closet, clean out the garage, clean out the back seat of the car, you know, whatever it might be, just something to get a little bit more organized. Um, another one is to improve my finances. A lot of people say, okay, New Year, um, get on a budget, pay off debt, you know, get, get my finances back in order. Um, another one is to strengthen relationships, uh, to just spend more quality time with the people in my life. And, and that's a really, really good one. Um, another very common one is to reduce stress, get, get more sleep, kind of chill a little bit more, take it, you know, don't get quite so worked up over things, uh, which is a really good one. Um, another one is to watch TV less or watch TV less and read more. Um, that's a very, very common one. Another one is to, to take up a new hobby. Was it New Year? Let's take up a new hobby. Uh, and then one, this one kind of surprised me, was uh, to stop procrastinating. And I kind of thought, you know, if you just did that one, you wouldn't have to worry about all these others because you would have done them by now. You know, so maybe that's the only one you want to start with. But um, there is something about the new year. Now, let me ask you, what do all of these things have in common? Besides the fact that in four weeks, they're going to be totally forgotten. Anybody? They're all about me. They're all about self-improvement. See, that, that's, New Year's is kind of a self-improvement time of year. And then, then when we make these resolutions, usually it's about making me a better person. And, uh, and that's typical. That's typical. But today, I'd like to suggest something different. Um, next week, we're going to start a series called Vital Signs. We're going to talk about a lot of these areas and how to get those vital signs in your life a little bit better on track. But today, I want to start with something um, for all of us as a church, and and maybe for each of us, hopefully individually. And instead of um, of self-improvement, it's going to be about something else. And um, it comes from the words of Jesus. And let me just say, I'm really indebted to uh, a message that I heard along these these lines uh, about a year ago by Andy Stanley. And it was from this passage of Scripture. And it it made me think about this passage of Scripture a lot differently than I ever had before. And a very familiar passage of Scripture. Um, It's found in Mark chapter 8. It's the words of Jesus. And Mark 8, 34, it says, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Now, those words of Jesus are actually recorded in all four of the gospels. 
Um, and there, there aren't many things that are in all four of the Gospels. Some are in two of them. Some things are in three. Um, but there's very few things that are in all four Gospels. And, um, and I think it's because he really wanted to make this point and drive it home. And it's found not just once in each of the Gospels, like numerous times. This whole idea of deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me, lose your life, save your life, all of that kind of stuff. It's over and over again. And in this passage particularly, there's two different audiences and two different principles and then two rhetorical questions to kind of reinforce it. Now, if you know anything about Bible study 101, anytime you find God repeating himself or or making this emphasis in one, two, or three ways particularly, it's like, this is really important stuff. So pay very careful attention to it and and start putting this into your life. So what we're going to talk about today is not so much about self-improvement and not not asking the question, what can I do to to do something about me? It's going to be more about what can I do to make the space around me better? And there's two principles I want to give you from this passage. Um, Two very simple things, but they will be life-changing. And I hope as we get into this year, you'll take these as your own. First is this, spending your life on nothing on you, on nothing but you, is a total loss. Spending your whole life just about improving yourself, taking care of number one, taking care of you, he says that life is a total loss, that there is more to your life than just you. This is the way that Jesus put it. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Now understand, he's got... Two different crowds that he's talking to here. Two different groups of people. Two different audiences. Um, and, and Mark tells us about that at the very beginning of this passage. Um, he tells us there's two different groups of people. He says, first off, he called the crowd to him along with his disciples. And then he said those words. Now, what I want to point out is it's two different audiences here. First, there's the crowd. This is the big group of people that would follow Jesus wherever he went and, and kind of just wanted to hear what he had to say and see what he had to do. And, and we know a little bit about this because at the beginning of Mark chapter 8, it's just um, the story of Jesus feeding 4,000 people. And so it's like, you know, wow, free meal. You know, I'm, I'm with this guy. And, and so they're, they're kind of following along because they want to see what's going to be the next thing for me. And then right after the feeding of the 4,000, Mark tells us about Jesus healing, doing doing a healing miracle and healing a man that had been born blind. And so this crowd is following Jesus because they're thinking, wow, this guy does miracles. He feeds us. He does all these things for us. You know, I'm going to follow this guy because, man, he can do good things for me. Now, the other group is his disciples. These are the 12 hand-picked. These are the hardcore, I'm in it all. And you think these guys would really understand what Jesus was all about and what he was doing. Except as you read chapter 8, you find out, no, they're just like the other guys. There's a point at which in chapter, in the middle of chapter 8, where Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, so who do people say that I am? Some say John the Baptist, some say a prophet Elijah. He says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter comes out with this incredible declaration, you are the Christ, the Holy One of God. And Jesus affirms him in that. And then he goes on and he says, uh, he starts telling him about his impending death and the, uh, the cross and all that's going to happen. And, and Peter takes him aside and says, God, Jesus, you can't talk that way. You know, we're going to lose people if you start talking about that death stuff. And Jesus has to rebuke him. And what we find is that the disciples are still in it for me. They're following Jesus. They're with him all the time. They're handpicked. But, but it's all about 
for me. You are the Messiah. You're the one who's going to throw off the Roman oppression. You're the one that's going to usher in a new glorious time for the nation of Israel. And I want to be right there, front row seat. So whether it's the crowd or it's disciples, the issue is still the same. It's what's in it for me. What do I get out of following Jesus? Now, that's not atypical. In fact, I would dare say most everyone in this room that has become a follower of Jesus Christ first came to Christ for what he would do for you. I'll tell you, I was a kid. I grew up in church. The only thing I knew is I didn't want to go to hell. I wanted to go to heaven, and believing in Jesus was the way to get there. Oh, don't look at me like that. That was your reason too, okay? <laughs> yeah, it's because I just wanted to make sure that I had that space reserved for me, Okay. I wanted Jesus for what he would do for me. And most of us came to Christ, maybe not specifically for that reason, but because of what he could do for you, what he could do for me. But, but he says, wait, wait, that's maybe where you start. But I want to take you in a new direction. That, that I, want, I want you to see that, that your life is not just about you. Yeah, that might be why you first came to follow me, but I want you to see that's not where it ends. And so many of us spend most of our life taking care of number one, looking out for me, my comfort, my safety. I have one of these. This is called a life preserver. I wear it when I sail. Um, We race on Thursday nights throughout the summer, and if I can get it on over the watch, um, everybody's required to wear one of these. Because there is a chance that something could happen and you could end up going overboard and you want to make sure that you float. Now, this is a pretty cool one because it sits really close. It's not very cumbersome. And actually, when you hit the water, it's got a little bobbin in there that automatically inflates it with a CO2 canister. And, and, and I have, I've sailed for over 40 years. I have never gone overboard except two seasons ago. And I did it twice in the same season. <laughs> and I was really glad that I had one of these. Because it's really important. If you go overboard, you do want something that will keep you safe. The problem is you don't wear this every single day. This is not a new fashion statement. And many people go through life clinging to the life preserver. What's comfortable? What works for me? What's going to keep my life safe? And Jesus said, that's no way to live. You live that way, you live about, number one, you live about saving your own life, you're going to lose it, because that's not what life is about. But again, we all have this self-indulgent, self-absorption that we just want to take care of ourselves. And every time that I think I've kind of got that part down, and okay, I'm not going to live so selfishly, I'm going to live more selflessly, I get a reminder that I haven't fixed it yet. Just this week, um, I took a couple days off during the week. We actually closed the offices, and everybody kind of got a break after Christmas. And um, Thursday morning, uh, my wife and I, we got up, went out to breakfast, had a really great breakfast. Uh, We were riding in the car, listening to the radio, and there was a talk show, and these two guys were talking, and one guy was talking about this whole idea about just kind of having a different attitude for the new year. And then, um, like, when you get stuck in traffic, and people are cutting you off, and things not moving, instead of getting all worked up over and getting really frustrated about it, just, just kind of sit back, take a deep breath, and says, at least I have a car. You know, just, and I thought, well, that's, that's pretty good. I, that's a nice philosophy for the new year, new, new thing to take with me. And then that afternoon, um, we got home, and, and, and I found something online that I, I'd been wanting for a long time, and there was a Groupon 
uh, coupon for it, for it. So, so I went online. At first, I tried it with my phone, and I just couldn't get through it. Every time I tried to make the purchase, it wouldn't let me. So I thought, okay. I got home, um, got on the computer, put it in my uh, shopping cart, you know, went to checkout, and hit the checkout button, and it wouldn't go through. And so I tried it again, and it wouldn't go through. And I went completely out and then came back in and tried it again. And it's like 10 or 15 times. I kept trying it, and it would not go through. And I was just getting so frustrated. Why can't I get it? Because there was only a few of them left, you know? And like, I wanted to get in on this deal. And I was so frustrated with it. And then down at the bottom was a place for uh, customer service, live chat. So I clicked on that, and somebody in India came on, (laughs) and there were no help at all. I'm trying to type in, okay, I bought this thing, I put it in my cart, I went to check out, and up comes with this thing that says, um, you, you, you can't check out, and, and I can't figure out why, why won't we work? And then she said, well, maybe it's, you know, what, what address did you put in? Because we don't, we don't give, uh, we don't mail to post office boxes. I said, no, no, it wasn't my post office box. I don't have a post office box. This is the place where I live. This is my address. I gave her the address, the whole thing. And she said, well, have you tried using another address? Why am I going to buy this for somebody else? You know, it's like no help at all. Totally frustrated. Just, I'm, okay, I'm done with you. You know, you're not helping me at all. She said, well, maybe you can talk to somebody. Let me give you the phone number for customer support. Okay, a live person. Call, talk to this person. Same thing. Just you know, nobody could make it work. And then finally she said, well, for some reason we have you in with a post office box. And it's going to take probably 24 hours to get that changed. Well, the deal's going to be done in 24 hours. So it's, I'm just told, forget it. I'm done. You know, I've had it with this thing. So um, actually, Betty went online. She used her account. She made the purchase for me. Everything's good. Later on that afternoon, uh, late afternoon into the evening, we thought, you know, let's just, let's just rent a movie. You know, it's a nice, relaxing day. Let's, uh, on demand, let's just rent a movie. So we picked the movie, and we choose it, and it comes up on the screen. It says, that'll be $5.99, and I hit the OK button. And then it came up again. It says, that'll be $5.99. And I said, okay. And then it came up again, $5.99. I said, okay. You know, like as hard as I could push this thing. And again, it was just like one of those days that everything was just getting so frustrating and I couldn't deal with it. And, and, and Betty said, well, but maybe, I'll, maybe I'll call. Call customer service. I said, yeah, good luck with that. So she calls customer service. She gets put on hold. And it is like, it's like I'm, just, I'm just so frustrated with the whole thing. And then she turns to me and she says, well... At least we have a TV. <laughs> I hate it when she does stuff like that. It just like ruined the whole evening for me. But it was just a reminder, again, how self-absorbed I really am. I want things to work out for me. Everybody should know how to make it work. My life should be easier than this. That's the way that we live our lives. And Jesus said, there is, that is not the way to go about your life. That's a total waste. That's a total loss. If, you, if all you do is care about you, then your life has been a waste. That's not how life was meant to be lived. And then he highlights it with this question that he asks us. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? In other words, what good is it to get everything that you want and have everything to go smoothly and, and forfeit your soul? Or, or what good is it to do all of this self-improvement and forfeit your soul. He says there, there's a deeper way to live. It, it's living on the soul level. And you can be the most organized, the most fit, the healthiest, wealthiest, the wisest, the most self-improved person on this planet and still miss out on life and end up empty. 
So he says, if you spend your whole life focused on you, that's a total loss. But he goes on and gives us the second part of it, which is investing your life in more than just you is great gain. See, part of it is not focusing just on you, but the other part is focusing out beyond you, and both parts are necessary. See, that's what Jesus said. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but, and this is the second part, whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. In other words, the way to really experience life, the way to really live life is not self-absorption and taking care of number one. It's to give up. It's to to make that sacrifice. It's to be a part of what God is doing in this world. And it's not just about giving up. Because whenever God asks us to give up something, it's only so that we would get something better. It's not just about sacrifice. It's about significance. Living a significant life. What does that look like? Well, he explains it a little bit further. It says he called the crowd to him along with his disciples said, whoever wants to be my disciple, and here it is, must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Now, I think those all need to be explained a little bit. Because like I said, I've, I've known these verses for years and years and years. But what does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean to deny myself? What does that look like? Well, I don't think he's talking about asceticism. I don't think he's saying that we should all take a vow of poverty, all become monks and nuns and live in a cloister. Okay? It's not just about self-denial. There's, there's something more to it. And I think it has to do with this idea of letting go of the controls of my life. That it's not my agenda anymore. I'm living on your agenda, God. See, denying my comfort, denying my well-being, denying my focus on me, and just saying, okay, not my agenda anymore. You are the ultimate authority in my life. I think that's what it means. To deny myself is, is to give my rights and my comfort and my agenda over to God's. But then he goes on. He says, deny themselves and take up their cross. Now, that needs a little bit of explaining too. Because a lot of times people, you know, we talk about difficulties of life or, you know, troubled circumstances. And we kind of say that, well, this is my cross to bear. Okay? But that's not what Jesus is talking about. See, that's, that's just the stuff of life. That's what happens with life on this planet. Taking up your cross is something very specific. It is a, it is a choice that we make. And, and it probably didn't make much sense when Jesus said it here. But later, when he went to the cross and paid that price for our sin and gave us this gift of new life by his grace, now it begins to make sense. It's taking up my cross as being willing to do the hard thing for the sake of somebody else. To give up something of myself and my comfort for the sake of somebody else's well-being. For the sake of somebody's eternal well-being. Being willing to do without so that someone else might have. So it's, it's denying myself. It's saying, okay, not my agenda anymore, God. You're the authority. And, and I'm not going to just take care of my own comfort. I'm willing to give up some of this for the sake of your work in this world. And he says, then, follow me. Now, Jesus was not looking for a jogging partner or a traveling companion. When he says, follow me, he's just not looking for people to kind of, okay, let's go. You know? 
It's follow me in my work. Do the work that I am doing. Because that's what Jesus did. Everywhere that he went, he made things better. He made people better. He he gave of himself so that others could experience better. And so what he's saying is he's saying, listen, it's no longer my agenda. It's God's. And, and it's not just taking care of number one and making sure of my comfort. It's being willing to sacrifice on behalf of someone else so that I can do the good work that God has called me to do. And I think that's where he's going. See, everywhere Jesus went, that's what he did. And if we're going to follow him, then we follow him in that work. And that's a whole different way of living. And sometimes we look at, at the needs around us, and there's so many, and they're so huge, and you think to yourself... I can't do anything about that. I can't fix all of this. No, you can't. You can't do everything, but you can do something. See, Jesus took 12 nobodies in a little back corner part of the huge Roman Empire and turned the world upside down. Because when you start to live this way, God enters the picture. And when he enters the picture, all the things that you thought you couldn't possibly do and you couldn't possibly do, he does through you. And that's the kind of life he's called us to. That's the real life. Not living for myself, but giving of myself to be a part of what he is doing in this world. Now, let me say, you don't have to be a Christ follower to do good in this world. There are a lot of people who do not consider themselves questioned, who are doing a lot of really good things in this world. You don't have to be a Christ follower to do good in this world, but If you are a Christ follower, then you must be doing good in this world. And whatever little corner of your world that you occupy, you're there to make it better. Not just temporarily, but for eternity. The people in your life, the neighborhood you live in, you are there to make it better. And Jesus said, that's the life that is truly life. See, nobody, nobody who loses their life for his sake ever goes away empty-handed. That's what he's saying. You lose your life for my sake, you gain in the long run. And I think that's the life that he has called us to as a church to continue to grow and, and, and expand in that, to take, to take things out of our comfort zone, to do things we've never done before, to take those kinds of risks, to say, we don't know how we're going to do this, and we don't know what, how it's all going to turn out, but we believe this is what God wants us to do, and we're just going to go for it. And I think we need to do that together as a church family, but that doesn't happen together unless it happens in each of us individually. And so if, as we head into this new year, I want to invite you to get in on the life that really is life. To be willing to deny yourself, take up that cross and follow him. Because here's the, here's the ironic thing about it all. When you live that way, you actually end up becoming the better person that you wanted to be. It's kind of a byproduct of the whole thing. But that's the life that Jesus laid out for us. And as we head into 2017, as a church, we're going to do that. And I invite you to be a part of it. Jesus ended it with this question. What can anyone give 
in exchange for their soul. In other words, what else would you do with your one and only life? What else would you do? What else is worth doing than that? That living on the soul level. Now I want to invite you to be a part of that. Jesus said, I have come so that they might have life and have it abundantly. Not an abundance of riches and treasures, but an abundance of significant, fulfilling life. Would you bow your heads with me? Throughout the ministry of Jesus, he called people to follow him. And when they did, their lives were changed. And they began to change the lives of those around them. So as we head into 2017, I'm going to ask you, are you willing to take a different tack this year? And instead of making it about self-improvement, make it about self-sacrificing, the willingness to do the hard thing for the benefit of others. It's what I believe God's calling us, the leadership team here of this church, calling us as a church to. And I'm just asking you to say, I'm in. And if you're in, let me know. Just raise your hand and just say, I'm in. I'm with this. This is, yeah, this is what we're going to do. Yeah, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Now, maybe you're here, and you don't know that life that Christ has for you. And, and it's really very simple. It's a first step of faith, but it's just admitting, I got my faults, I got my failures, I got my fears, and I can't fix myself. No amount of self-improvement technique is really going to fix it. What I need is the grace of God. And I'm willing to surrender that control, and I'm asking God, by your grace, would you accept me just the way that I am? I want to put my life in your hands. I want to follow you into this new year for the very first time. And, and if that's where you're at, and we do this every week, I want to give people a chance to respond. But if that's where you're at, and for you, it's a first step of faith. Same thing, would you just raise your hand and let me know because I want to pray with you and for you as we close. All right. Yeah. 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 So I'm just going to invite you to make this your prayer. Lord, here I am with those faults, with those failures, with my sin, with my fears, with all of that. And I know there's no amount of self-help that's really going to make me the person that I know you've called me to be. And today I'm saying I'm in. I'm surrendering that control. And for some of us, that's a first-time decision. And for some of us, it's, it's just a reaffirmation of a, cho- a choice that we made a long time ago. But we're saying... You have authority in my life now. Take me as I am. Forgive me. Put that new life in me. I want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. You may-